Hey y'all and welcome to the very first episode of Where All the Ladies At Myth Edition. I'm so stoked about doing this guys. Like I am, you think I'm a nerd for history, man. Mythology is my jam. So I'm super stoked. I really got inspired by a lot of different things including the, the musical epic and I really wanted to dive back into mythology. So I'm not sure how once again we're going to structure this but going right now I'm just doing it in uh, uh, series because I thought it would be the easiest way to pick the topics of the podcast. So for the next eight weeks we're going to be looking at the women of the Odyssey and I'm super stoked because some of these women are amazing. Not some of them, all of them are amazing even including some of the monsters, creatures, whatever you want to call them that show up in the Odyssey. Before we jump into the topic of this podcast which is my favorite person and that is Circe, the island enchantress. There's a couple housekeeping things I wanted to discuss. I really enjoy doing this podcast and I thank you guys for listening and commenting and following me. I want to make this better. So if you like what you're listening to, I have ways that you can support me and they will all be listed in the description box below and also mention them at the end of the podcast. As always, if you want to connect with me, ask questions, have discussions, whatever you want, you can always join me on social media or shoot me an email those will be in the description box as well and I think that's all of the housekeeping things I want to get in the way because I just want to jump into Cersei oh my god this woman like just I can't even with her she is a figure who just she weaves through the whole story of Homer right she's captivated the imagination uh, for centuries she's just this amazing archetypal woman who you know has oh my god okay anyways let's get started we're going to look at the layers of the Circe's mythology we're going to talk about who she is talk about some tales talk about psychological archetypes we're going to dive all the way into this wonderful woman the enchantress of Aia Aia I think that's how you say it. Uh, she's a character that has mystery and power and transformation and sorcery. And she's just this woman who has it all, basically. And sometimes she's not nice and sometimes she does horrible things. But, you know, that's okay. She's a myth. So she's meant to teach us a lesson. So let's get started. We're going to talk about where she lives. We're going to kind of, a little bit of the same structure as where all the ladies are at. So we're going to talk about her location, what it was like for women, and also then we'll just dive into her history and take a little look at that. We're gonna actually do story time, so I'm gonna do a quick story that involves Cersei, and then of course, the fantastic five facts. I've settled on a name, ladies and gentlemen, so kind of the same structure, but a little bit more story time-like. So let's get started. She lives on the mysterious island Aiaia in the mythology. It's truly captivating setting that really, you know, when you look at the island life and what it means, like isolation and all that, you can really dive deep into the psychological aspect of where she's been living. It's a secluded place and this is where Cersei practices her magic arts and weaves spells and she pretty much wants to be left alone. So anybody that happens to set foot on her island, she transforms them. In the Odyssey, the crew 
crew finds themselves on this island and it fa they face numerous challenges. And the island is described kind of as this lush and enchanting island with dense forests and captivating landscapes. And then you have Cersei's palace, which is perched on the hill looking down. And that really becomes the focal point. That's where she lives. And this is where all the guys face their temptations and dangers that lie within that palace and really within themselves. You know, despite the imagery that Homer paints, the question that many of us have, and I have because I'm just one of those people, is was this island real? Like, I mean, obviously transforming people into pigs, I mean, probably not real, unfortunately. I mean, it would be kind of cool to see. But the debate on whether the island was real still kind of remains between scholars and historians. Some look at other locations and there's concrete archaeological evidence and geographical coordinates. So then they say, well, the existence of this island could be very real. Some people think it might be loosely inspired on some real locations in the Mediterranean, taking elements from Greek travel tales and imagination of storytellers that Homer had heard. Others argue that the island is, is a purely mythical imagination created but is supposed to symbolize space crafted by the poets and serve as just basically a narrative tool for the story. Either way it goes, for me at least, the island itself is a fantastic backdrop for this really magical and transformative story that unfolds because of Cersei. It creates more depth to her personality and story. It's a threshold between the known and the unknown, a place where mere mortals can encounter supernatural world and mythical creatures. It may not exist on the modern map, or it may, and it's just under a different name, but whatever happens, the island of Circe is this fantastical realm that is explored through these mythological hero's tales. It's, it's an island that beckons you and entices your imagination and, and at its core is Circe because the island might be beautiful and fantastical, but without Circe, that island would just be another island that the guys that are lost trying to get home get stuck on. Like, honestly, without Circe, there would be no mythical aspect to this island at all. So it's all about Circe. It is all about Circe, and as well it should be, because Circe is an amazing individual and has a wonderful backstory, and that's what we're gonna talk about now. Now that we kind of get an idea of the realm that she lives in currently during the story of the Odyssey, uh, and has lived in for quite a while, we can really talk about her origin stories. So they call her the Enchantress of Greek mythology. She really makes herself shine during the epics and is a very complex and enigmatic, that word always gets me, figure. Her origin stories vary depending on the story that you hear, but there is one common thing that runs through them and that's revealing a character that's defined by transformation, power, and honestly, a touch of loneliness. Like, it, she just, I don't, not, not that she wants to be alone, she just is alone, and that's so sad. Circe is most often in most of the stories the daughter of the sun god Helios and the oceanid nymph Percy or Perseus, so basically an ocean nymph. Because of this divine parentage, she is gifted with amazing mystical powers, and her tie to the sun is an extra added touch to her character. She is born in the realm of the gods. 
her existence is intertwined with the celestial forces that govern the universe. If we think about like how she was growing up, there's not a lot to tell about her early years. But one thing that sticks out is the magical prowess she has. This really becomes like her whole character in some aspects. I say that be knowing that you can dive deeper and really tear like tear the archetype apart into a lot of different psychological ideas. But the sorcery and the mysticism is what really defines Circe. Uh, and it's said that she really studied these art of sorceries under guidance from Prometheus and Hecate. I'm telling you, my words are stumbling. And that, because of those two, it really, she really became entangled with the mystical arts and arcane knowledge. Later on, her life really becomes tied to the island itself. This is where she decides she wants to live. It's secluded away from everybody. There she can practice her magical arts, surrounded by beautiful scenery and nobody to bother. And this all becomes part of her spells. Like the island itself is part of her spells. Of course, when it comes to her her most famous interaction with anybody comes with Odysseus and this marks the big chapters in her life this is where her transportive abilities are showcased as we all know she turns men into swine which <laughs> I'm sorry some guys are and it seems fitting I know that these guys weren't necessarily the case but you know I mean whatever she did what she did and this really emphasizes that she is dual natured right she's both alluring and dangerous and the the duality is something that's very present in mythology when it comes to women in particular and I find that fascinating because even though women didn't have a lot of say at the time that these myths were present they didn't have a lot of rights and they didn't have a lot of you know stature in some aspects they still were looked at and revered the women in mythology and this is not just in Greek mythology this is in a lot of different mythologies seem to have this dual nature where they're both strong and weak which I I think is beautiful in some aspects and when it comes to Circe when it comes to symbolism and that's kind of what we were just talking about she like is a sorceress she inherently has duality magic right it's potential for both wonder and peril so she's this like it's like a balancing act for her and the island can be seen as a a link to the mortal and divine reality and illusion realms the symbology behind it is is very intricate her association with the sun through her father Helios is the enlightenment and illumination and the transformative power of knowledge. Because the sun has a cyclical journey across the sky, uh, it has a nature of life, death, and rebirth, which is a big theme when you really look at Circe's overall character, right? Psychologically, Circe is so multifaceted, right? She, it, it, this is what I was just saying, like there's a complexity when it comes to ancient Greeks' attitudes towards powerful, independent women. On one hand, she possesses agency and control over her destiny, but she's also a hermit on this island, which says that if you have that type of power, like you need to be isolated. There's the transformative aspect of her magic, which can be interpreted in a lot of different ways, including the psychological exploration of self-discovery and evolution. Her interactions with mortals also show a lot of intricacies too, because there's empathy and loneliness, which really humanizes her so that she's this mystical almost godlike person but she's still someone who is lonely and despite having all these powers really in truth craves someone to come and stay with her and be with her the, the Cersei's character is so 
compelling to me. It's something that you can use to really think about not only the nature of power, but identity and the human condition. And this is what I love about mythology. There's so much wrapped up into it. Like, you know, you could talk for hours and hours just on the psychological aspect of Cersei's character. But the truth is, we don't know what happens to Cersei. We assume Cersei dies, right? She's, it's the way everybody goes. But after Odysseus lives the island, you kind of, Cersei just kind of disappears. Some stories have her eventually marrying Telemachus, which is Odysseus's son, while others just leave her ultimate destiny shrouded in mystery. You never know what happens to her. She could still be out there on the island. This allows for people to interpret and resonate the symbolic and psychological depths of her character. Like, it really allows you to dive deep into that aspect. Cersei starts as this woman born of celestial lineage, and then she has magic and transform encounters, and eventually she becomes more than just the enchantress that everybody calls her in Greek mythology. She stands, oh my god, she is just this woman that's like paradoxical. That's the word that comes to mind when I think of her. Like, she really is this mix of every piece of human nature you can get. The divine and mortal and captivating and elusive and powerful and vulnerable. She is this, she is the all woman. She is the woman who craves love and attention, but also wants to be strong and powerful on her own. She wants to, you know, lead her life the way she wants to lead it. And she doesn't want anybody else to tell her how to do that. And that, <laughs> you know, that might be why she resonates with so many women when they read her story. Because in some ways, I think I can only speak for me, but in some ways I think I, I kind of dream to be Cersei, not necessarily transforming guys into swine and killing people, but you know, being able to stand my ground and be happy with just being me, but also you know, it's just this she's just amazing. So amazing. And you know, you'll you'll get to see that because we're getting ready to move from talking about her as a person and psychological and all that stuff and really dive deep into a story. And so I've never done this, so I want to kind of sit you down, grab your glass of wine or uh, milk or whatever you enjoy the most and dim the lights because I'm going to tell you a story. And we're going to see how this goes because hmm, I'm not sure this is going to work out well. We'll see how it goes. In the age when gods and mortals coexisted, there lived on the sun-kissed isle of Aia a sorceress of extraordinary power named Circe. Born of the celestial union between the radiant Helios and the scene of Perseus, Circe's destiny unfolded like the delicate petals of a mystical flower. From her earliest days, Circe displayed an insatiable curiosity and an innate aptitude for the arcane arts. Drawn to the secrets of the cosmos, she sought wisdom from the titan Prometheus, who recognized the spark of divinity within her and guided her through the labyrinth of ancient knowledge. Under the watchful eyes of the goddess Hecate, Circe honed her craft until her magical prowess rivaled that of the gods themselves. Embracing her destiny, Circe retreated to the secluded shores of Aia, a realm where verdant forests whispered ancient incantations and crystalline waters hummed forgotten melodies. Here, amidst the vibrant tapestry of her island, she became a mistress of transformation, wielding the forces of nature with grace that danced between creation and destruction. The tale of Circe's encounter with the hero Odysseus echoed through the halls of myth. As the weary wanderer and his men sought refuge on Aea's shore, the enchantress welcomed them with an air of beguiling charm. Yet, beneath her gracious veneer lay a current of power that few mortals could withstand. One fateful evening, Circe, with the wave of her hand, transformed the companions into beasts of the field. 
boars and wolves roamed where once there were men, and the enchantress reveled in her ability to reshape reality itself. However, Odysseus, with the cunning mind that had faced gods and monsters alike, eluded her spell. Intrigued by his mortal, who dared to defy her magic, Circe found herself captivated by Odysseus's resilience. Rather than succumb to wrath, she extended an olive branch, restoring his men to their human forms. It was then that the sorceress and the hero, bound by fate's thread, embarked on a delicate dance of understanding and mutual respect. As time unfurled, Aia witnessed a metamorphosis not of creatures, but of hearts. Circe, once a solitary sovereign of her magical realm, discovered the warmth of companionship in the company of the cunning Odysseus. The hero, in turn, glimpsed the depths of the sorceress's soul, finding more than enchantments and illusions. In the annals of Greek mythology, the tale of Circe and Odysseus stands as a testament to the transformative power of encounters between gods and mortals. Through their interwoven destinies, Aia became a sanctuary where the celestials and the earthly converged, leaving an indelible mark on the fabric of myth, a tapestry woven with threads of magic, resilience, and the enduring allure of Circe's enchantment. So what do you think, guys? Like, did I do okay with story time? I know it wasn't a huge story, but it was something, and I hope that it was entertaining. And uh, tell me what you think. Let me know. I, I think it's a fun aspect when we're doing these mythologies to do a fun little story time tale. But now we're going to get to the fantastic five facts. So there's a lot of really interesting uh, facts about her, but we're going to start with her name. Circe's name, it has a pretty interesting root in ancient Greek. It's derived from the word kirko, which means hawk or falcon. So this association with the bird of prey kind of adds a little extra symbolism to Circe's character. It really hints at the predatory nature of the sorceress, but also the majestic nature because hawks and falcons are uh, majestic creatures. Also, so now let's talk about her family tree. So Circe's family tree is kind of interwoven with a lot of different divine connections. Uh, she's the daughter of Helios, uh, so that means she has some pretty interesting uh, half-siblings. She is related to Aetes, the king of Colchis, and Pasiphae, the infamous mother of the Minotaur. And that's kind of interesting in and of itself if you think about it. So here's this woman who likes to transform people into beasts when her half-sibling is half-beast. I don't know if there's some sort of like, I don't know, parable there or some sort of lesson, but it's kind of intriguing, right? Circe also is depicted as an enchantress who transforms men into animals, of course, but she's had mortal, she's had human guys th that she got down with, you know? Some version of the myth even, uh, Circe had born children with Glaucus, which was a fisherman. This unconventional romantic relationship definitely leads a little bit more humanity to Circe's character and is kind of something that, once again, it's that duality thing. She's just a big duality burrito. She's a sorceress, right? So she's going to be potions and all that stuff so she has a vast knowledge of herbs and potions because magic isn't her only tool she also can use it for healing. In some stories, Circe's actually portrayed as very knowledgeable in medicinal herbs, and that really shows the mystical and the practical side of her duality. It's like, once again, everything about her is like duality. I think duality should be the word of the day. <laughs> and uh, lastly, she had a role in the Argonautica. This is a lesser known story, uh, and she's lesser. She's a lesser role in it, but she played a part in the quest for the Golden Flame 
Fleece in the poem Argonautica by Apollonius Rhodius. In this part, in this tale, she helps the Argonauts, who was led by Jason, of course, and gave them guidance and magical assistance. So she was actually very helpful to them. It's it's a different facet of her character because when Odysseus lands, she is not as helpful, of course. And maybe, I don't know, maybe she got a bad taste in her mouth because Jason took her word and then ran off and didn't, you know, stay and have a drink with her. Who knows what it was? But she definitely had a, a different reaction to having people land on her island by the time Odysseus got around. <laughs> so that's it, guys. That's Circe. There's probably so much more I could go into, but you know, I try to keep these all relatively under 30 minutes, and I'm going to still try to do that with the myths. I think that they're bite-sized and they're kind of enjoy uh, perfect for like a walk or just kind of chilling on the drive to work or whatever, so I don't want to make these too long. I'm not saying that there won't ever be one that goes a little long because, well, who knows? But I, I try all my, I will try my hardest not to go too much longer than 30 minutes. So yeah, that's it. What do you guys think about Cersei? Are you as in love with her as I am? I just, gosh, she's just so, I don't know what the word, complicated. There's so much to dive into with her. And as is all the women of the Odyssey, which that is what we're talking about. And this wraps it up. Guys, remember if you want to help support, there is in the description box a link to my Buy Me a Coffee and Patreon, as well as I will put a link in there to some books that you might like, and they will be Amazon links. So if you click on them, I will get a little commission and you will be helping to support this podcast. If you want to reach out to me, as always, the social media and my email links are in the description box below. Next week's going to be fun too. Uh, and hey, don't forget to check out We're All Ladies at History Edition because this month we are covering notable and influential, little known African-American women because it is Black History Month in the U.S. So I wanted to focus and give these women of color the due that they deserve. So on top of doing the Women of the Odyssey, which I am having so much fun, make sure you check out the other series, which is, I don't know how to say it, maybe like um, significant women of color in history. There'll be some fun stuff over there. So that's it, guys. It's a wrap for this one. We'll see you next week with the next episode of the Women of Odyssey. And yeah, see you guys next week.